0: I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brennis Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrenniesfemalecom slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This week, I'm speaking with Kim Tarlow and Kate Patrick, the co-founders of Darling Mimosa. Kim is an award-winning marketer and creative director with over 15 years experience leading brand work in Canada, the US, and the UK. She's also the executive creative director and partner at Mint, a creative agency in Toronto. Kate Patrick is an entrepreneur and co-founder of Homestead Bakery, Inc., an award-winning bakery, roastery, and cafe. The two partnered to create a Darling Beverage Company, which now offers one of the only women-owned alcohol beverages found at the LCBO. Here is their story. It's a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me. Thank you for having us yeah always always fun when we have two guests uh chiming in uh, at the same time um all i always start these conversations by uh going back in time a little bit so i want to ask you growing up what did you imagine you'd be doing as a career later in life and did it have anything to do with what you're actually doing today so maybe we start with you kim
1: yeah um i mean i think i grew up with entrepreneurs and so it's, it's kind of funny to to be the one myself um my parents were entrepreneurs and uh, a lot of my aunts and uncles were as well. So for me, going out to just get a job wasn't really the norm. It was you created your job and uh, um, restaurants were, were how I grew up. I, I often uh, now that talking with Kate, she's, she's got a bakery as well as like I was the kid that was hanging out in the office when my parents were working at the restaurant. So I think part of me always thought I would go into being an entrepreneur as well. Um, my siblings are too, so it's, it's very much in the blood. But it wasn't very um, uh, active in the sense of, I want to grow up and be an entrepreneur. I actually wanted to be a writer. Still do, <laughs> but I haven't done it yet. Um, but I think that was it was in the blood in, 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 in how, how I um, approach life and how you made a buck, but also fulfilled not just working, but your passions uh, together. Love that. And for you, Kate? I don't know that there
2: was one thing that, if I look back on my like childhood, childhood that really stood out to me as like, this is what I want to be when I grow up. But, you know, where I am today, and when I look back and kind of reflect on, you know, what kind of led me here. Um, when I was a kid, I just was like imagination central. Like I would create all these inventions and, um, then they would go to like concept and I would make my sister, um, like record commercials for them. And there was always just like this creativity. Um, even like when I got my first easy bake oven, I was like, so excited. I used to make commercials for like chef Boyardee when I was a kid in my kid's kitchen. And like, now that I'm a food entrepreneur and I've been in the food and beverage industry for you know eight years, it, it kind of all makes sense and clicked. And I did have a very pivotal moment later in life, but I mean, still quite young when I was about 20 years old. That I was in university, I was uh, working from a cafe and just kind of looking around and being like, "This is amazing! Imagine one day you could kind of have this." And at the time, I was taking political science at school, and I thought, you know what? I'm not really super interested in this. I'm going to change my major and I changed it to business administration. And uh, it really wasn't until it's kind of like a build. It wasn't until my daughter, uh, my first daughter was born and I was on maturity leave. And I just thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And that's kind of where I um, went down the path of opening my first business, which is Homestead Artisan Bakery. And, uh, you know, I kind of really haven't looked back since. So a couple little things, but nothing major. You know.
0: And today we want to talk about your new venture, Darling Mimosa. But uh, before we get into that, so Kate, you just mentioned kind of your your previous work experience uh, and ongoing work experience. So Kim, you also went uh, down a different path uh, before launching Darling Mimosa. So what was what was kind of the start of of your career?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I mentioned I wanted to be a writer. I thought of uh, movies actually or, or books, but I, I got into copywriting, and so. I've been working in advertising um, my entire career out of university uh, in a creative department. So I started as a copywriter and and moved my way up. I'm also um, now an executive creative director and partner at an agency called Mint. Um, So my world has always been around brands and building brands. And and I think that was part of my interest of using not just um, my my desire to be an entrepreneur and entrepreneurship and that curiosity, but also um, really putting my money where my mouth is, and building my own brand, and, and understanding that, and I can understand my clients a lot more now, and <laughs> and what's driving and keeping them up at night. Um, but yes, as as a as a creative in advertising, I've, I have deep experience in. Brand new brands, uh, adapting brands from global markets to our market, or legacy brands and new audiences, and and so um, I was acutely aware of what it takes to really connect with people, to to design packaging, to design brand experiences, communications all around a product, et cetera. And I think that's um, celebrated often through storytelling. That's always been a big part of how I approach things and engaging with a community. And so with Darling, that's no different. And um, we've we've. Um, carved out a story of the brand it's a mimosa so it's it's really intrinsically about celebration and and so the brand itself really does celebrate everyday life and optimism and the community we talk to is women and and mostly mothers Um, and both Kate and I are both women and mothers and so it's been really fun and interesting to to apply uh, my craft from call it my previous day job into uh, bringing it to my own own business as well. And are you, are you still in that day job today or did you go full-time with Darling Mimals there? No. Well, I mean, we joke that we're full-time at both. So has yeah. <laughs> the bakery and Darling, and I have the agency and, and Darling, so That's I'm a fair. partner at the agency as well and, and uh, still operating. Uh,
0: and I, I love, you know, I love that story of going full-time with, you know, multiple jobs and, and, and multiple careers. And it feels like it's a reality for a lot of entrepreneurs today. Um, so when you took the decision and Kate, you already had a bakery, so uh, already kind of in the, the food and, and beverage industry, uh tell me about the kind of those first few steps in getting the the brand going. Uh you Kim, you just spoke a little bit about the, you know, the the uh, the reason for, for wanting to start Darling mimosa, but what were those first few steps like sure. when you created the
1: brand? Sure. Yeah, so um, it was in the very beginning of COVID um, where we we started to think about it, and I'd always been curious about beverages, beverages specifically because obviously you have to have a great liquid, but so much about it is brand building, and and that being my wheelhouse, I was always curious about building that. And so um, we were everyone everyone that's a part of Darling are friends too. That's that's part of how we run our business is friends first, and and um and so a, a couple of us were at a cottage and. Mimosas were getting made, and we were seeing how much you know big jug of orange juice, big bottle of sparkling and how much some people wanted it like this, some people wanted it like that. and and um um it kind of became an aha, of you know, in this boom of rtds, how has this not been put in a can yet and easy easy to drink? and so, we didn't know what we were doing. We had not, we, neither of us, none of us had created an alcohol beverage. We've all uh, created some sort of new product before and approached Mm -hmm. that. And so we had a a sense of formulation and and prototyping and so on. Um, But we decided to do some research and and living in a place like Ontario, the LCBO is so paramount when it comes to um, alcohol business. Um, So we decided to pitch the LCBO. And it was one of those things at the time where you know, we had our formulation, um, we had a deck of what we wanted to be and and we we presented to the LCBO and we said, okay, if they go for it, let's start this business. But if they don't, then, oh, well, it was a great idea, whatever. Um, And we were shocked because we were just, I think, a month old and the LCBO said, okay, great, we'll give you an order. And so I think we had within six months to go from a formulation and a pitch deck to um, on shelves. So an it was an actual a, product, yeah, an actual product that was yeah. able to be sold and distributed through the LCDO which is a government-regulated body, which yeah. is tricky as well. So that's the genesis story. Wow! Well,
0: congratulations on you know starting off uh, with a bang, literally. And tell me, what is the darling exactly, and what's in what's in the product?
1: Sure. Um, so it's a mimosa. I mean, it's one of the most world famous cocktails I think there is. I think most people have yeah. had one or at least seen one. Um, people have their 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 choice on whether it's more juice to wine or more wine to juice. We tend to be a little more wine to juice, but darling mimosa is um, a mimosa in a can made with real juice and sparkling wine. We use a uh, local wine in Ontario um it's, it's meant to be very refreshing not so sweet we're really about real ingredients though so there isn't a lot of uh, pres- preservatives and artificials in there and and so there are real sugars in it there are real juices in it and so on And we don't meddle with that too too much to give it a really authentic mimosa experience as if you were drink- drinking one that you made at home i love that
0: thank you and i mean you're you're both you kind of have an entrepreneurial you know uh, uh, career or path already but uh, who are role models to you? Who inspires you? And maybe now that you are in that industry, are there specific role models that you draw inspiration from?
2: I think for me, um, you know, when I I don't necessarily have one specific person that I would say, you know, this is a person I look up to. For me, um, I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of people, um, specifically women who are just inspiring themselves. Um, so I would say for me, you know, I really look up to a lot of my peers. Kim, Kim being one of them. Um, so when we had this chance to create Darling Mimosa, I was just like beyond excited to be able to collaborate with with him specifically and and work on um, you know developing something new in this brand. So yeah, I, I think I've been very fortunate to to be surrounded by women who uh, aren't afraid to um,
0: achieve their goals. Hmm. I love that. And who would be role models
1: for you, Kim? Yeah. I mean, I, I, Kate scooped me. I was going to say her first. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, I think, I think, um, it, it's true. There's peers, there's Kate. I work with another woman named Samantha Margolis. Like, I think when you see how these women work and also our mothers and, and get stuff done, it's uh, it's very impressive. I think also I have, um, in in having started this brand and really celebrated that it's female founded, we've we've come across a lot of other female founders who um who who have built their businesses and it's been really cool to build a little community sort of uh, women helping women. So Foley is a, a plant company which is amazing and Emily who who is the founder there, she's been fantastic. Again, three kids and doing her thing and killing it. Um, but I think there's, you know, there's there's big stories too, like Whitney Wolf heard what she's been able to do at Bumble and building that empire. I think that's very impressive, too. So, of course, we're looking out where is a, a macro in uh, influential people and women who are like going from nothing and building great, great businesses. But I, I do think uh, there's something special about looking on the ground around you that can be even more inspiring sometimes mm-hmm. because. You, if you can see everything that everyone's balancing, whether it's work life, home life, personal life, et cetera, it, it gives you this push of like, OK, I can do this. It's not it's it's not insurmountable. Um, so I think we both get a lot out of that.
0: And it's it's interesting because a, a few episodes ago, I had the founder of Green Owl, Vabka, who was a woman on the show. And she also got her big break, you know, presenting a product to LCBO and LCBO buying it. Um, and it seems as for, for a long time, most of, uh, spirit, you know, alcohol brands, beverage in general, uh, were, were owned by men, founders, CEOs, uh, were, were known to be mostly men. And now there's kind of an influx of, of women, uh, launching their own beverage brands in, in Canada and beyond in the U.S. as well. And it's very exciting to watch. So do you feel that there is a shift happening in that industry and that? there's space for more women to be launching their brand in a beverage category.
1: Oh my God. If you have an idea for a beverage brand launch it, there's so much space. Um, There's so much space. Certainly. Uh, Yes. I think there has been a shift. You know, I I've got, got some peers like Marika Ballard, who's spirit of York. And then the, the, the mother daughter do it at Grange. Like there's, you meet these women in, 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 in alcohol at that. You're like, okay, there's more of us. This is great. This is fantastic. But you know, Kate can attest to this. She did a facility tours, um, the last couple of weeks. And every time she shows up, it's a bunch of guys and it's a bunch of guys club and they want to talk about, you know, whatever. (laughs) And and there's a little bit of like, sometimes they are not sure how to engage with you in the same way. And so it it for sure is still hugely male dominated. And that's not just from, um, the people, uh, operating businesses in, in the beverage space, but also all the channels. Um, the support of it, the sales agencies, and so on and so forth. Um, we're lucky; we're working with a female sales agency as well. Um, we've had some uh, women on our buying team. Um, we've, we, we're partnering with uh, women throughout the process, um, but still very largely dominated by by our male peers, which they're wonderful as well. But there is a ton of space for women, and I think um, if I can just develop, diverge a little bit, is having worked on so many beverage brands in my career. Um, from micro to massive global brands, uh, women are such a buyer. Um, and the targeting of women as a consumer is almost on every single brief I've I've had across my desk. Um, and yet most of the time, there's not as much women insight going into how to talk to them, yeah. how to reflect mm-hmm. them, how to engage them, um, how to empathize with them, and so on. And so I think that's a big part of what we try and do with Darling is not just anecdotally take our experience, but talk with many women in order to keep it real in everything that we're doing. Um, um, And I think that comes across a bit more authentically with our brand because we understand that. Um, And so I I think there's a there's uh, if you if you don't see a product out there for you, go make it. um, I think there's
0: a lot of space. And do you find that it's an obstacle for you? You mentioned dealing with, you know, suppliers and I'm guessing for anybody who's looking also for investment financing, uh, they're probably pitching to a bunch of men. Was mm-hmm. that kind of difficult or do you find that, you know, there there is space, there is kind of a, uh, an openness from, from those groups of men to welcoming women and supporting women in the industry?
2: I, I really, um, I, uh, you know, having started in food and kind of now moving more into beverage, um, I think the food and beverage industry in general is very male dominant and, um, I've experienced all facets of, um, being welcomed as a peer to being completely talked down to, um, you know, my experience is really specifically it being quite challenging for, uh, women in business with, uh, fundraising and financing. That's always mm-hmm. been the number one challenge that, um, I've experienced, uh, you know, not often maybe taken as seriously as our male peers when it comes to going into those conversations, uh, even though you're you're so beyond well prepared and maybe even more educated at times. Uh so that's always been always been very challenging and, and frustrating. And uh, you know, unfortunately, even after eight years of being kind of in food and bev, I haven't seen a huge shift in, in that. Um, but Every once in a while, uh, there are definitely people who see value in having women owned and run and operated businesses, um, which is just really beyond refreshing.
1: Yeah, I'll just add, I mean, I, I don't I, I, I we have come across some um, investors who are squarely looking for uh, women founded businesses and and that perks their ears when they hear that we are. Um, the majority definitely a hell no. <laughs> but I think it's something we try and remind um, investors of as well of of uh, of um, how special it is to be that. I think that you get a lot more in your pro- or portfolio as a, as a result and you can target and I think differently and I think that's that's something that a lot of uh, beverage brands are struggling with is really tapping a female market and that's something that we can we really understand well, not just, Again, because we're the target, but because of our our history and our experience, um, we're going to be fundraising later this year, and we're we're assuming that there we're going to come across a lot of difficulties as we typically have done. Uh, we hear it from many of our uh, women-owned business peers as well. Um, it's sad. It's too bad. But um, I'm hoping that it 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 continues to change. We do see glimmers of it every now and then. There'll be an investor that's like, I don't. I want to only invest in women-run in women. businesses because yeah. they get shit done. Sorry, I don't know if I can say shit, but... You can
2: go.
0: (laughs) This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women and Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. Well I, it's I'm glad to hear you Kit. you're you know optimistic about the the change that's happening. Uh, so obviously that's one obstacle. And what are other challenges that you face in those first few months of, of launching the business? And is there something at one point that made you kind of think, you know why did we get ourselves into this and maybe this wasn't such a good idea or, or maybe that
1: hasn't happened. Oh, there's, I mean, find me a founder that doesn't yeah. have that every other week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's always a day, there's always something you, you, you think you've accounted for everything and then something surprises you. And then, you know, you're, you're want, you're about to enjoy a beautiful weekend at the cottage and all of a sudden your production line blows up and you've got to like <laughs> troubleshoot that. And so there's, there's always been something, I don't think we've ever gotten to the place where we're like, why did we do this? And let's stop this. Um, I think we've gotten to the place of, oh man, this is harder than I thought it would be. Or, But then there's times where we're like, this was easier than we thought it would be too. So mm-hmm. I think that's just the roller coaster. And and, and I think that's why um, certain people are attracted to entrepreneurship is is mm-hmm. because they kind of love that adrenaline, that thrill, the problem solving, the collaboration, that like, okay, everything's gone the exact opposite of plan. And what are we going to do? Kate loves that. <laughs> She's yeah. like, we call her that we call her the beautiful mind because when when she when stuff gets crazy, she knows how to really organize things really, really quickly. Um so certainly never thought we should give up on the business, I don't think, but we've definitely had a oh man, I really just want to chill out and have a darling this weekend. And now I can't. Right. Yeah. I
2: will also um kind of add to um uh, you know when you when you when you start your own business you have the choice on on how you want to you know create culture or work collaboratively with each other and i think one of the things that's been um really refreshing on darling is is our approach to problem solving and really trying to uh, be optimistic you know i always say and this is from learned experience um because I wasn't always this way that Uh, there's always a a solution to every problem that's going to come across our desk. And instead of having a complete panic attack, um, it's just, you kind of switch your brain into like that beautiful mind and figure out, okay, what path is going to get us to the solution and and how quickly can we get there? So being able to um, not put the pressure on each other internally to um, or the weight or the distrust. We, we have a lot of trust within our team uh, to get things done. Uh, it, it's, just, it's, quite, it's just refreshing because I also came from the, the corporate world prior to. Uh, that's actually where Kim and I met um, at um, the first agency that I worked at. And uh, it's just a completely different shift. Um, I think when you're an entrepreneur, you really are able to um, really shape and build the type of culture and, and how you want to work every day. Uh, and often, you know, not often, but you kind of have to remind yourself to to give yourself a little bit of grace and um, know that you're probably going to get through it. I always say in all of my businesses to all of my team and staff that, you know, we're not saving lives. We mm-hmm. we're creating amazing products. And um, at the end of the day, you know, we have to take these problems seriously, but we can do them with a bit of grace and, and give ourselves a bit of forgiveness here and there. Um to get the job done,
1: so. Yeah, maybe I'll just add to, I think um, what helps you through or what helps us through those moments where you could be tempted to pack it in or regret what you've done is, it's really important, I think, as founders to build a community of founders around you. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount of people we can just call and say like, oh my God, we just did a line of our production and it foamed over and now we've got all this waste and what do we do and we're short and you realize it's like, oh yeah, that happened to me that's happened to me. That's happened to me. And as soon as you keep hearing that's happened to me, it's like, okay, it's, it's normal. I'm going to keep going and keep pushing. And, and I think it's really, really important to listen to shows like this. You can listen mm-hmm. to other founders, but, but also to connect with other people. And you realize that, um, your mistakes or your learnings or your setbacks aren't just because you're, you failed. It's because mm-hmm. the journey has failures along the way. And, and I think normalizing that is, is a, a powerful thing too
0: mhm mm-hmm. yeah that's that's really good advice, and I was gonna ask about what kind of support system did you find you had to build and and kind of develop around you um you know to get through and 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 just learn and get the support from from under, so it sounds like it's very much coming from female founders in your network in your case.
1: Yeah, and not just female as so well. We have a lot of great founder friends who are not female and they're they're excellent as well. But I think uh, carving out mentorship is important. Car- car- carving out people you trust that are sometimes your direct competitors, um, which we have, and right. we can bounce things off of, um, whether it's pricing or um, how we're working with people or expectations of um, different uh, partners that we bring to the table. I think it's important to understand that it's not cutthroat, There's, especially in at least, Canada, there's a a great community of support and Mm foundership and everyone's just glad that people are doing it. So don't be afraid that you have to sit in your office and keep all your trade secrets and never talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. And it'll be very isolating and lonely, I think. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be people you already know, but cold reaching out, you'd be shocked with how many people are just willing to support, lend a hand and so on. And and so I think not being too precious in that way um, will build a community around you. And then, like I said, we're, we're also very good friends. And so there's a lot of compassion built into the business, which I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are bringing on partners or starting with partners to, to make sure that you have that level of compassion for each other, because we talk about it all the time in, in, in the life cycle of darling so far, each of us have have had a different phase personally that we've had. I had a baby in January. And so it was like, okay, I'm going to be a bit hectic during yeah. this time. And it's like, we got you, we got you. And then I come back and it's fine. And there's no guilt and whatever. Um, and come back. I mean, the two weeks I took off, like it wasn't like I disappeared for a long, but I think the compassion for one another is super, super important too. And
0: well, and that, that's a great point. I was going to ask you, so you're both moms, you both run multiple businesses and, and careers at this point. So what's your, what are things that, you know, tricks, tips that you find are helpful in staying sane, staying grounded? I think we all know that the, the that notion of work-life balance, it, it probably doesn't exist, at least not in in that perfect way that it's been sold to us, uh, but how, how do you keep it together and make it work?
2: Yeah, I think, I think for me, um, I mean, one of my one of my biggest goals, whether it's running business or in life, is always trying to keep the balance, um, but reminding myself that it's okay not to have it sometimes <laughs> because it might come back to you later. Um, I think i'm I'm highly motivated, you know, by my I have three daughters um, to kind of show them, you know what it's like to follow your dreams and and that's always a huge motivator. Uh, And certainly when I first opened uh, my first business, Homestead, uh, the work-life balance didn't exist. You know, it was Mm -hmm. go to work, come back, make dinner, put the kids to bed and then open up the computer and start working again. Um, You know, so I I have learned from experience that uh, even though there's deadlines and there's pressures, um, you know, oftentimes when you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're highly motivated, you're, you're almost putting them on yourself in a lot of ways. Uh, so it's okay sometimes now looking back to kind of just step back and give yourself that time. Um, and I would say being a second-time founder is a ginormous advantage because mm-hmm. you come into this new business, darling, with a completely different lens. Um, what would I do differently this time? And, you know, how am I going to now, where I'm adding more onto my plate, kind of balanced life out. And I think, uh, personally, this year, I've gone through a really fantastic transition where um, I'm still so highly motivated every day to get the job done, but I'm giving myself the time that I need to recharge. Mm. Um, and even if that's an hour or two, or, or whatever that might be, just just being really focused in on the moment and what's happening, uh, especially with family life is uh, it just makes such a huge difference when you can, you can try to be present yourself. So um, I think it's, it's a lot of having grace for yourself too, right? Like, you know, it's okay not to put those pressures on. Um, and, and one of the goals kind of coming out of, of the bakery was that I wanted to have work-life balance. Um, Shockingly, it doesn't really sound like being an entrepreneur would be the path that you'd want to take. But coming from agency life, when you're working 80 hours a week, uh, spending a lot of time in the car, you, you really just don't simply have that because it's on someone else's terms usually. Um, so I would say, you know, the first first two years of, of um, my first business were really difficult in navigating that. But now that we've gone through the life cycle of, of the startup and, and now I'm, I'm seeing it too on darling where it's like, you kind of start to get that back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's all about perception.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And Kim, how does yeah. that look like for you? Um, well, I think first and foremost, you got to define what balance means to you. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people that would say I don't have balance, but I feel like I do. Um, uh, like I said, off the top, I, I grew up with entrepreneur family. And so to me, work and home life has always been a big blend and everyone participates. And so that's what, that's just what I know. Um, I'm lucky to have a very supportive husband who's an entrepreneur as well. So he totally gets it um, and actually helps us out a lot when there's spots we don't know and he, he's been able to lend a hand. And so he understands the, the tug and pull. And so I think having people around you, whether it's partners or friends or family that that understand your journey and what you're doing and check in on you and don't, you feel bad if you miss things or, or think plans change and so on, um, is super important. And I think for me, that's given me a lot of uh, support. I've got a great uh, friend group. I've like I said, my family life as well. So that's helped a lot. And sometimes they, they call me out. They're like, you need a break. (laughs) You need Mm -hmm. to take, let's go, let's just go to a movie and just turn off our brains and if anything, I find that the hardest part is, is turning off the brain and, and, and even when I'm unplugging, I'm still plugged in up here. So, um, it's, I think it's a constant ever evolving, uh, piece that like Kate said, don't get too hard on yourself. You're figuring it out day by day and things change. Your kids grow to different life stages. Your business goes to different life stages. You yourself go through different life stages. And so it's constantly adapting. Um, and listening to yourself um, is a big part and making sure, again, that communication with your partners, if you have them, um, is very fluid. I think that is the most important thing. Um, I think it's it's moments when, you know, if Kate's going through something or she's having a bit more of a stretch time or burnout, like the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, OK, well, we can figure this out and we can support each other through that. And, and that's no problem. Um, I think sometimes the feeling of burnout feels very isolating. Um, and you, you, you wear it inside yourself and the best thing to do is just get it out of yourself as much as mm-hmm. possible to the people you trust and are around you. Um, but I also, I don't, Kate and I have a weird addiction to this busy life and we, we thrive on it and okay. we get excited by it. And yeah. you know, it's part of our entertainment it's, yeah. it, it's our hobbies, it's our passions, it's all mixed mm-hmm. in. So for us, it's not always work that it feels like it doesn't feel like work yeah yeah
2: yeah Yeah, that's the most important thing it really doesn't feel like work when you're when you're truly doing something that you're passionate about Mm -hmm. um yeah it's kind of something you really can't describe until I think you go into this this lifestyle
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no I hear you um so what's one big thing that you're tackling with the business what's next for you know on the over the next 12 months uh for darling me sure
1: yeah, we um, have had already just such a blockbuster summer. I mean, last year was really our first year and, and in, a, in a lot of ways, a test, not just for us, but for the LCBO, for our consumers to figure out a lot of things. And then this summer um, was more of like, okay, we're, we're a bit more grown up and we can do this fit properly. And, and we've been shocked, like we're selling out constantly and trying to keep up with that. And, and that um, everyone says is a great problem and it is a great problem, but it's still complicated because yeah. you want people to be able to get what you're selling. Um, so I think after this summer, we're, we're acutely aware of how much we want, need to scale up and um, how much that's going to be an influx of money that's needed. So fundraising is going to be a big, big focus for us um, and making sure that we're able to build the runway to to, to keep up with the demand for the business. Um, I also think that we're um, innovating. So we're right now in um, uh, R&D for, for new SKUs that we're going to be adding. So with the LCBO, they take pitches every summer for new flavors and products. And so um, yeah. we're in the process of that, which is super exciting. Um, things are looking good there. Uh, and then I think it's just expanding. So we've w- bringing on people. Um, we've been really founder operated. Um, we've got great partners. There's um, there's 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 uh, five of us that, that work on the business, but I think we're going to, well, sorry, there's more than five of us. That's just like the core piece. There's you know, with the sales agencies and the assistant admin and stuff. But I think really growing to a bit more of a mature business that has employees is going to be on the horizon, too, and figuring out what that means and and creating a great place to work, not just a great product, um, I think is the next next wave of the business, too.
0: Very exciting. Kate, anything to add to what's coming up for you guys? No, I think Kim really covered most of it. I think we've got we've got a
2: lot on our plate, you know, fundraising, formulation and innovation being one. Um, you know, looking at expansion, too. So looking at other opportunities outside of Ontario is uh, definitely on our radar. Uh, we've started kind of uh, revisiting the plans for that and, and starting to get in execution mode, which is uh, just going to be completely like drinking uh, from a fire hose because mm-hmm. uh, launching in other provinces is, is not as easy as it sounds. There's a lot of different regulations and rules and control boards and distribution channels and all those fun things. So. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're really excited for the potential to kind of, um, you know, maybe get outside of Ontario. Um, but we also wanted to do a really good job here in Ontario first, before we started to kind of move outwards because the LCBO is such a big player.
0: Mm. Well, it'll be exciting to see, uh, you know, that next chapter for you. And in closing, my favorite question to ask guests on the show what's one thing you wish women would do more of and one thing you wish women would do less of? So maybe Kate, we start with you this time.
2: Uh, I think one of the, the, the one things that I've struggled with um, over the years of being a, a female entrepreneur is just uh, the balance between um, motherhood and uh, owning your own business. And I think when I first entered the world of uh, entrepreneurship, I had a lot of guilt. Um, overwhelming guilt about, you know, like losing time with the kids or not being present enough because, you know, how Kim said, you know, you're you're, you're unplugged, but you're you're kind of still plugged in a little bit, um, and just always kind of being slightly distracted. And and I think when I look back at at what I've learned now um, and what I would do differently when it comes to um, trying to balance those both, it is just to just know how important it is to be able to unplug and, and, and that it's okay. Uh, and one of the other things too, is there's a lot of social pressures on women who are mothers, um, nowadays, uh, you know, really fueled a lot by social media, you know, am I supposed to be this mom or am I supposed to be this mom? And, you know, how do I balance this? Or, you know, is it selfish of me to, to own my own business? And I think, um, yeah, just, just constantly reminding myself that, uh, it's okay to have this and it's it's okay to have these goals and ambitions. And, you know, not only am I, um, you know, constantly filling my own cup, but I'm also like a role model for my children, which is like the utmost important thing to me. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, it really just comes down to reminding yourself that it's, it's, um, it's okay to choose your own path and, and that you don't have to necessarily fit a certain mold um, of what you know other people like doing is the the right way to be a mother or be an entrepreneur um, and almost take more of a personalized approach to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that would be my my biggest biggest reco <laughs>
0: tip. I, I love that. And uh, Kim, one thing you wish and you can pick one of the two, and sometimes they overlap. Something you wish women would do more of or less of.
1: Oh my goodness. I, I kind of wish women would stop telling women what to do. (laughs) Partially. I think, I think, look, there's, there's so much pressure out there as Keith mentioned. Um, and I think that at least for me, I want to do less worrying about all the things I should or shouldn't be doing and just being, um, I think that's the, the thing I'm constantly reminding myself of just being and, and whatever that is and however, and showing up that way. Um, Um, I think it's probably the biggest advice I I hope I take, um, for, for, for that, um, and have some fun. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can have some fun too, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) probably the best advice today. Um. I love those answers. It was great hearing about your brand, about your journey. Excited to see where Darling goes next. So we'll link up all the places our, our listeners can find the brand. And yeah, excited to see what you ladies are up to next. And thank you so much for making time today.
1: Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation and if you did as always don't forget to subscribe rate and give us a review wherever that is possible thank you to td women and enterprise for their support of the brand is female you've got it in you to succeed let td help guide you visit thebrandisfemale.com podcast and click on the td logo Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling and this episode was produced by our team. Sound Engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support Claire Miglionico.